It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 80, Conflicts of Interest, in which a dame from Garibaldi's past shows up with a suitcase full of trouble. Coming to you live from a plague ship off the eastern coast of the continental United States, you're listening to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast, uh, where we discuss the ongoing cultural legacy and what? Nothing. Keep going. You probably should breathe at some point. Okay, the ongoing cultural legacy uh, and the influence that the show Babylon 5 has had on the uh, landscape of genre uh, television and media in the decades since. I am Chris Tatro, and joining me as always is my friend and co-host, John Cassie. Chris, nicely done. Oh, I know. I you know I uh, even almost hit the dismount on that. Crisp, was, uh, a crisp start. Excellent, uh, <sighs> excellent tumbling, yeah. t- t- tumbling routine in the middle yes. there. A little bit of a mm-hmm, on the little, landing, little, but that's okay. A Little wobble on the horse. Yeah, yeah. Well, practice that yeah. later. Uh, from a plague ship off the eastern coast of the United States. Well, dynamite. I love it. I, I, I say this because, you know, it's, it's allergy season here in the East. God bless. And, uh, you know, where we actually have seasons as opposed to you in California. We have Uh, seasons as well. Okay. Uh, uh, fire. Mm -hmm. Earthquake. Okay. June bloom. Okay. And, uh. Oppressive heat. Uh, yeah, 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 and more fire. And uh, uh, yes, extra fire, please. Yeah, but 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 you'll hear the the trees are all expressing themselves in unpleasant ways. Yes, and you know my family is all in you know various states of snufflytude. So uh, yeah, that's actually a word. You can you can look it up later. Snufflytude. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I'm in the same sort of place. Uh, yeah. I, there must be something in the air. I don't know. Mm. My eyes are weeping. Like I've been mm. watching both, uh, you know, Avengers Endgame, Star Trek Discovery, and for an entirely different reason, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least for us, one of we like one of those three things. Yes. Um. <laughs> you like one of them. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm more generous of spirit. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is generally true. Yeah. Speaking of generosity of spirit, what do yes. you think about this Garibaldi episode? Uh, you know, I'm I'm very glad that we get a full episode focused back on Garibaldi because you know, as we've long said, that you know we like him as a character. We like what Jerry Doyle brings to the character. Yep. Um, and he certainly was neglected in season three. I think you know, that's fair. His only spotlight episode being, uh, you know, Gray 17? No 15? more 14? puppets. Mm. Yeah. Niet mer Popinski. Not a single creepy puppet to be seen in this episode. Well. Praise the Lord. Well, Garibaldi himself may be a creepy ah, puppet. Ah, yes. We'll come back wow. to that. Look at that, Judo. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's good to see him in full, you know... <laughs> action hero Garibaldi 
mode. And I mean, you have to imagine that a good chunk of this episode was written with with his resemblance to mid '90s Bruce Willis, like firmly in mind. You know, he's crawling through the air ducts. He's he's doing the the you know he jumps up into the into the vent. He doesn't climb up the boxes like like the non-player characters. He's he's our he's our action hero. Right. He's 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 in the movie era of Bruce Willis. He's TV's mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, forgetting that TV's Bruce Willis used to be Bruce Willis. That, right. That back in the old days, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah now, I, I think Garibaldi is he may he may well be more moonlighting Bruce Willis. Maybe Return of Bruno era Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, um, but he he wants to be Die Hard Bruce Willis for sure. And he doesn't want to be Die Hard Three Bruce Willis. Nobody wants to be Die Hard. That's III correct. Bruce Willis. Die Hard One Bruce Willis is yeah. you know is the business. Uh, I think there's a reason why Jerry Doyle is so appealing. You know, on a program full of ninth level esoteric Mimbari weirdness and Vorlon and counter suits and mm-hmm. you know all that kind of practical effects makeup that we were talking about before. He's yep. he's an everyman. He's the real thing. He he has his passions. He has his beliefs. He cares about the people he cares about. He can't stand the people he can't stand. He's yep. just a, a super authentic character, the likes of whom we generally, in my judgment, don't really get in a lot of sci-fi, right? In, in the, in the uh, socialist utopian post scarcity uh, space future of the other side, right. our everyman characters often read, by mm-hmm. virtue of their being in the military, as as still quote unquote the man, and those who aren't are often depicted as being not part of the mainstream yeah. society. And therefore, they often read as uh, humorous throwbacks. Whereas with Garibaldi, right. you know, you get, you get the real thing. And I think that we're the better for it. And the show's the better for it, for giving us this perspective to see, uh, you, you know, to sort of see the universe through. Mm-hmm. And especially now that he has left his position of authority, that he is no longer right. the man. He is right. You know, he is even more the the everyman as we get here. You know, through into season four. Right, because he isn't just as you said. He isn't the man. No, he's complaining about the man. He's complaining about the man. He's being hunted down by the man. Mm-hmm. He's he's being, uh, you know, blocked by the man. Right. Over and over again. Yeah, uh, and and really, I mean, this is really a classic noir. This episode, totally. this is this is totally. you know, it hits every every beat of of an old you know noir detective story um, with you know the the femme fatale, the old you know the old girlfriend back in the, the old picture. lover, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. The you know, he's mixed up in something that's way bigger than he is. He's he's cut off by by the authorities. You know he. Uh, it, it really, it really fits into, into place in a, in a lot. You know, when 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 the action starts flagging, somebody you know busts in shooting. Um, it's, you know, <laughs> exactly. Philip Marlowe, exactly. you know, thou art avenged. It's uh, it's great. 
Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't I hadn't formulated it in my head as oh, this is kind of following a classic noir formula. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you raised it, it's like oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I should have been thinking about it in that way as well. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of think about the beats mm-hmm. in the narrative. Yeah. That um, you know that totally hit that. Yeah. Um, All we needed and, for him to be was to be in a smoky office at the beginning, you know, with his feet up on a desk. Right. And some, uh, you know, some very uh, uh, broadly drawn, uh, y- you know, secretary or whatever. Yeah. Chewing on some gum, typing right. on a typewriter, clackety, 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 clack, you know, something like that would have just sealed the deal. Yeah, right? it would have had to be like Annie Potts or something like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, What's her name? Parker Posey. Of course. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's the early 90s. She's a, she's early days in her career, you know. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I, you know I, when you... Yeah, go. I was going to say, we, we do get a bit of him in his office in that opening vignette where he's helping to find the daughter. Indeed. And and that that piece, I think, is very important because you know, what we've seen in the last couple times we've, we've visited Garibaldi, it's been really focusing on, on butting heads with Sheridan. Right. And, and we've, we're left with the impression that, that something is, that something is wrong with Garibaldi, that he's changed in a major way, that he's, mm-hmm. um, that there's something is off with him, but we see, you know, he, he finds this daughter, he undercharges, you know, he doesn't charge his full fee. Right. And so we see, oh, he's really still very much a good guy. It's not that For he's. Sure. It's not that he's taken a complete heel turn. Right, and this is exactly what you would expect to find in, uh, you know, in a in a uh, in a program, uh, not in a program, in an episode thematically structured like this. Mm-hmm. Let's remind you that the Garibaldi you've always known and loved is still there. He's still the guy. Right. His Sheridan. You know, hostility notwithstanding, he remains on side, true to his actual values, mm-hmm. and willing and able to do stuff that maybe other people wouldn't do because he views it as the right thing to do. Right. He's going to take it in the. He's going to take it in the wallet mm-hmm. because doing so is the right thing to do. Yeah. And. We need to see that perspective because so much of what we've seen of him, re- really for, for, for dozens of episodes, has been a kind of grumbling support character or a outs- an outsider character who's really more than grumbly. He's downright hostile. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this noir business... Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot in there that I think is speaking towards not just where Garibaldi's going right now, but about where the series is pivoting after the Shadow War. What do you think about that? I definitely I definitely think that's the the intent of this episode. I'm I'm not sure I see what you, how you frame it in the in the noir context. Maybe maybe it's not the noir 
theme or tone that I mean, but rather, the, you know, what's going on in that plot. You know, because these noir oh, sure. stories sure. have a very kind of particular way of doing their plot. Yeah. Yeah, we have they, the... They, they, they telegraph. Right. You know, everything's black yeah. and white, literally, yeah. right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, we definitely, we get, um, you know, we get the uh, Garibaldi's handler, the the offspring of Kaja Gugu that has uh, returned to give him this give him this right. job and uh, we know that telepaths are tied into it this this uh, telepath virus um, that uh, that's being developed the, there's something going on with Edgar's industries you know developing right. this thing or you know what are they weaponizing whose side are they really on um, uh, the buildup of the voice of the resistance right um, right and Sheridan's talk about realigning the purpose of the rangers i mean that right there we're kind of laying out all kinds of of mission statements for the last season and a half that we've got coming up right and per our commentary on the show the last three or four episodes that we've watched high time right right it seems like you know it seems like it, it wrapped the shadow war and then wanted to dive into this new Story, and I don't think it did it as aggressively as it really needed to. It sort of popped out of the gate and then sort of ran aground a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're going to pull a major fake out like that with the direction of the show, that that you really need the, you know, the 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 oh, this is what it's really about to to come on strong. After exactly the, after the after the war ends, you really need like a boom boom. You need that 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 middle of season three, like three or four part arc that, that sustains the, the, the tension right. and, and carries things along. Yeah. Even, even I know we've got a 24 episode order to fill. So there's gotta be filler in there somewhere. There's gotta be places where it kind of lags, but I right. think this was not the place for it to lag. I think it needed to be, it needed to, to, to pick up. And, and frankly, this is probably about where I, dropped off watching the show the first time and started only watching it really kind of sporadically Mm-mm. because because it, it didn't it didn't jump right in with okay well what's the next what's the what's the real big thing what's the next big thing i'm supposed to be paying attention to that's right that's right um, um yeah it, it sort of gives the impression that the story jumped off of a of a seesaw mm-hmm. and and didn't let the you know, didn't let the writers or, di- you know, that the, the audience didn't know what was coming. And we sort of, you know, we sort of slammed <laughs> into the ground a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Kids, ask your grandparents what seesaws were since they don't let our children play on dangerous things anymore. <sighs> of course, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I think about this show, uh, this episode and the conversation that we had. I think in the in the in the previous episode mm-hmm. about the structuring of a multi-episode, multi-arc drama mm. like like Sense Eight or like Game of Thrones or like to some extent Galactica and Lost and on and on. All these prestige format programs are all telling these kind of stories. Almost mm-hmm. nothing is purely episodic anymore. Right. And I sort of feel like now that I've seen this, 
I kind of wanted to take the 500 pages of script that we've had since the Shadow War ended and cut and paste them differently Mm -hmm. than they're shot. So give me everything in this Garibaldi episode, but give it to me six minutes at a time Mm. over seven episodes and I'm going to feel like I'm participating in a big arc. Right. That would almost by necessity cause you to stretch the Franklin Marcus content on Mars also, which I think it needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it felt like it came too fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the Voice of the Resistance content that you could also stretch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe while that's going on, you've got these sort of three B-plots simmering that are all about Earth. You bring forward what's coming in the next couple of episodes, namely Mimbari's Civil War. Mm -hmm. You bring that forward some, and you hammer that after sort of the the Drock and the White Stars and all that kind of stuff. And you bring the, what are the Rangers doing into that because there's sort of a bridge between human and Mimbari storytelling. Mm-hmm. And and I would have appreciated the tonal difference between the Garibaldi content and the, you know, with its noir kind of grittiness and and the Marcus and, uh, uh, and Stephen Franklin content with its political mm-hmm. touch and the Voice of the Resistance with its sort of heroic, right? Mm. Uh, you know, we are we are the Rebel Alliance kind of thing, yeah. right? Um, but as it as it is chunked the way that it was, it did it did lead a little bit to to a kind of drift. Yeah, which it sort of feels like maybe we wouldn't have even noticed if we had this kind of driving through line of just this episode, but cut into, you know, six or eight different pieces. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as much as we've banged on about, about A plots and B plots and C and D and, and all of this stuff, that, that's really a, that's really an artifact of, of eighties and, and earlier, maybe into the nineties, but, but earlier television uh, totally. that, that we don't really see in the shows that you mentioned, you know, lost Galactica, game of Thrones, you know, you, you, you almost never have an episode that's that would devote as much time to one storyline as this as as conflict of interest devotes to Garibaldi. Correct. It's, it's all broken Correct. up over all of you know, they're all ensemble. You know, they're all, you know, dealing with, you know, five or six different storylines kind of dribbled out all at once. So I wonder how much, as we sit here saying we'd rather see it that way, is our uh, recency bias. bias. Exactly. You know, that, that, <laughs> right, you know, here we right. go again. Um, right. you know, it, it's based on what we've been trained over the last fifteen or twenty years to really, you know, to really accept. Um, yeah. Well, to, I mean that, that that goes to the whole yeah. kind of thesis of our show. Yeah. Right. The ongoing cultural legacy. And, right. Uh, that this is this is really where we see it start. It, but it's it's it's. It's raw and it's unfinished. It's not. It's not the the final product. You know, here I am acting like what we have in 2019 is the final product. When yeah, right. You know, I, well, Game of Thrones certainly is a product in its final season. But but what kind of product I'll leave to the 
listener's imagination. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right. Uh, it's also interesting that all of those shows that we that that we've mentioned get fewer and fewer episodes the more the seasons go on. Indeed, they kind of they come to a chisel point at the end. You know, which right. which maybe uh, maybe helps to accelerate the plot and leave out a lot of the 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 kind of flotsam and jetsam that we felt right. was, was kind of dragging down the last couple of episodes here. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll watch not only prestige format Netflix kind of programs, but also standard net, uh, uh, network programs. Mm-hmm. And even the standard network programs that I think are sort of standing out read more like prestige format programs, but they're just told over much longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about maybe, say, the second season of Riverdale as, I mean, the show is ridiculous, but it's compulsively mm-hmm. watchable. Uh-huh. Uh, the second season of Riverdale is being sort of similar to that in that it's really one arc, mm-hmm. but it's played out over over 22 rather than rather yeah. than 10, which does mean that the, the energy goes a little slack mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, but but all, all of this does, you know, in my mind, stem from this kind of mid-90s pivot into this kind of, into this kind of storytelling. Right. Which, I, you know, I mean, again, you know, Chris and I, you know, listeners, we're genre watchers. This is going on in, in the police procedural... Not in Law and Order, right, which is the gold standard of your episodic <laughs> plot-based show. Yeah. I can remember reading Dick Wolf saying something like, any work that we do to advance these characters' real lives is a mistake that we can't ever claim back. Hmm. Right. Now, I'm not <laughs> so not sure exactly about that. That's not exactly what he said, but... Because, you, know, you know, my wife watches... Uh, an, un- an unhealthy amount of uh, special victims unit and um, she's out of the room so I can say that yeah. and uh, you know there, there's definitely there's progression and development in those characters you know that that occasionally I'll you know I'll come in and there'll be an episode on that's from an earlier season and I'm like mm-hmm, what's going on why is this person doing this I thought that you know she had a kid at this point well you know, mm. this kind of thing um, there, you know, this, I think there's definitely some, some advancement of the characters, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's background to the almost literally monster of the week, uh, storytelling that they're yeah. doing in, the, in that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know. Th- these are the yeah. things that go through my mind when, when I'm watching, you know, this program mm-hmm. that, that it's interesting to watch it as it as it gives JMS an opportunity to try out different narrative strategies, different approaches to writing, different approaches to structuring the story, different approaches mm-hmm. to deploying the characters. And uh, my, my hope is that we're back on a kind of energy uptick. It certainly seems it. <clears throat> because I thought this yeah. episode had a lot more had a lot more going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now let yeah. me ask you uh, that we've we've gone around and around a couple times on whether we think that 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 Garibaldi has been Manchurian candidated 
Yes. Or not. Or if, you know, is, is his change due to something that happened to him while he was taken after he was in the shadow ship, that kind of thing. Right. Um, there are a couple of pieces in this episode that I think shore up the argument that yes, something has happened to his brain. Um, tele- yes. you know, and, and telepaths are really behind it. Um, but I, but you were resistant to that last when we last addressed this, and I want to see where you are. I was. I have been stridently, militantly against mm. that mm. perspective since the moment it was yeah. offered to us mm-hmm. on a silver platter. Yes. With with extra gold coins. Uh-huh. Why don't you just take this? Mm-hmm. I've just offered it up to you, right? And yeah. you know I resisted it mightily. Well, you know, you've I've never found around. a wrong argument you wouldn't back. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is this is regrettably true when it comes to the politics of my home country. Yeah. Where uh, you know, at age 50, I think I think I've been on the 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 winning side from my perspective uh, like twice yep. you know <laughs> hey you know, John Hagelin he had a chance <clears throat> yay John Hagelin <laughs> yeah woo vote natural law yeah uh, uh, yoga hopping uh, ki- kids uh, go ask your grandparents <laughs> about the natural law party yeah <laughs> he's still alive and he's still running that university for transcendental meditation in Iowa what Good. on earth were we thinking it was really off brand for us. I don't know. We we, yeah. were, we were we were elbow deep in in natural law party, you know, at the at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. well, uh, on that note, yeah. uh, thank you for attending the natural law uh, <laughs> p- p- politics podcast. Yes. Uh, so, like I said, I've come completely around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what brought me around was a little bit of uh, a little bit of Warner Brothers cartoons. Mm. That duck amuck. Ah. Now again, it's a little on the nose. Yeah, but it's not meant to be. I'm not being served it on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. Someone has put a silver platter in the room and has walked away from it. So now I can go over and look at it myself. Do you see what I mean? I I do, but I think it's uh, I I don't think that subtlety and and a light touch are necessarily JMS's strengths i don't think he that's not his jam i don't think he likes that so right Right. so i I think he wants to be broader right when your argument before was you know everything sure as you said it's a silver platter it sure looks like he's he's Mm -hmm. you know got you know mind juju has has taken over right um but so therefore it couldn't possibly be if you show me something that is irrefutably mind control it must not be but I would go back and argue, okay, let's look at, you know, the Drock. Let's look at Morden. Let's look yep. at every every mustache-twirling evildoer in this show. We've known from the moment they walked on screen where they stood. I don't think we've had anybody, you know, Bester. We haven't had anybody who's come on who really presented differently than they were, with the exception of Talia Winters, because that was, you know, that was a thing. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that level, of, and and therefore I think that you know the inclusion of Duckamuck, and that we are meant to notice it, and it's the very end of Duckamuck. Yes. I think is is very forceful and very you know, ve- assuming that one is familiar with the cartoon, 
And if it in the nineties, yes, you know, we all grew up watching Bugs Bunny. Nowadays your kids are hard pressed to find it on TV anymore right. because right. you know exploding shotguns and people falling off cliffs to their death and rabbits right. dressing up like women. It's you know <laughs> It's regrettably whole, far from the minds of our youth. It's it's it decidedly problematic in a number of ways, those old shows. Yeah. Uh, so yeah i think i i think it was i think it was put out there as a as a a very obvious clue you know it's we're we're talking about noir it's the it's the duck and muck on the mantelpiece you know you know that it's at some point you you don't put it out there unless somebody's going to use it in a couple of episodes yeah yeah i i take your point I yeah. take your point. The, uh, the other, the other bit in this episode that made me really convinced of it is when, when there, when, when Garibaldi is in the the air duct, and the the telepath kind of the psychop kind of pokes his head up, and they just lock eyes for a second, and then the telepath just kind of goes away. Right. You know, there was clearly some kind of, okay, you know, you're our agent. I'm going to reset you, or or, you know, right, kind of turn you aside here. Uh, and then I'm just gonna kind of go away, and you're not gonna shoot me in the head. Uh, yeah, sort of thing going on that 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 just cemented it for me completely. Yeah, you're you're. I I, I think you're completely right about that. Yeah. Um, and and despite the fact that these are on the nose. In a way that the other stuff that was on the nose that I rejected was also mm-hmm. on the nose. Mm-hmm. Somehow this way of doing the story holds together better. I mean, look, maybe it's just that we've seen so little of Garibaldi mm-hmm. that I've had virtually nothing yeah. to 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 riff on, and all of that business in the in the 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 ship when he's being held. Mm-hmm. Ah, it, it felt like. JMS doing mind control stuff and doing, yeah. uh, uh, y- you know, I'm having, I'm living in a dreamscape. Okay. It, it, it read to me like, and the sky full of stars mm-hmm. with night one and night two trying to do in Sinclair. It looked, it was shot that way. Uh huh. And yeah. so I interpreted it in that framework that the show gave me to interpret it in. If that yep. makes sense. It does. It does. It, you you saw it that this is not something that actually happened to him. This is him in the Matrix or some some kind Precisely. of Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, which I can see. And and you know, I I wish and I think I said at the time, I wish they hadn't had that scene in that episode. In, I think that was in whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi. Yeah. But I wish we'd only gotten little sort of flashback glimpses of of that event in dreams. And whatnot, as he's kind of fuzzy. I would prefer as a viewer not to have that information, because it would have made it a lot more mysterious for me. Uh, precisely, mm-hmm. precisely. It, yeah, it would have it would have left it a little bit more. Huh. Yeah. Am I being? You know, I I, I can't choose the glass in front of me. So you'll choose the glass in front of you. Oh, no, but now that yeah. you know that, but now that you know that, that sort of recursive silliness, right? Right, right. Um, and there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of that, perhaps, for, for, for me. 
Mm-hmm. But but I've I've come around um, on that, and and I wonder. I mean, I wonder where it's going to go. I mean, is it telepath related? Yeah. You know, in the pre-show we talked a little bit about well, what are we? What's being set up? Right. Okay. You know, Babylon Five is not just about Babylon Five anymore. It's about Earth conflict. It's about Earth and Mars. It's about the Mimbari Civil War. Uh, and I think what we're what we're being given is this, you know, kind of corporate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, re- you know, rebels versus the man, and Garibaldi as an everyman being potentially hired by. You know the 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 yeah. the, the corrupt industrialist of the of the show. Uh huh. Right. Okay. That's an interesting challenge. Yeah. You know, and the personal effects that make him think one thing about doing this or not. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And if right? he's being set up on some sort of big mission, correct? By correct. whoever has has gotten inside his head. How does leaving the station? To go work for Edgar's on Mars, how does that change things? Right, right. What goal is being advanced by that? Yeah. And certainly if it is the Psychor, they're going to want somebody on the inside to keep an eye on this telepath virus. Totally. You know, so in some and ways, the whole, you know, the, sci- the, the telepaths chasing them down is really just, um, it's really just a, like a puppet show. It's, 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 it's theater to... Oh, okay, we're going to make you think that we're after you, but really, you know, we we don't need to chase after you because we're going to have you on the inside. Right, right. So all that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how, how's it going to resolve? How are they going to take it forward? I don't really know. Um, so you've got the kind of storytelling from from below mm-hmm. being offered with the Garibaldi business. You still have the epic storyline. Mm-hmm. Up above, with you know Sheridan and Ivanova, we get Ivanova as the voice of the resistance for the first time. Where I mean, she basically lays out the mission statement. Fine, yeah. you know, carry yep. on. Yep. She really is at her best when she is delivering content authoritatively, isn't she? Absolutely. Yeah. The more. Yeah. You know, the more she was very believable. Ab- yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know. The, you know We've got Snark Ivanova, and we've got Authoritative Ivanova, and both are very, very good. And we've also got uh, Green Drazi leading Ivanova. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and why is this all happening to me, Ivanova, as she has to deal with Zathras? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so who's, oh, there's who's nine he? of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to just sort of, uh, uh, have a have a have a nice two minutes whisper to myself and not look at the TV anymore because mm-hmm. you know even one Zothras is too many yeah. to successfully process. Yeah, Zothras is really a a character custom designed to infuriate Susan Ivanova. You know more than more than anyone else in the show. If there's somebody that 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 he is going to you know rub the wrong way, it's going to be her. She is. Easily flummoxed. Yes. Particularly by Zathrathian behavior. Mm-hmm. And there are other people who Zathras, but not quite like him. Nobody Zathras is like Zathras. That's correct. Um, 
which storyline that we're being kind of offered here mm-hmm. do you think is the stronger to carry us through? The Garibaldi, Mars, Earth, telepath, disease, that kind of thing, or the I've got a new mission for the Rangers, let's have them become a peacekeeping force. Which one resonates more with you? I think more the more the the telepath and the the Garibaldi story. Okay. Although we know it's not going to remain a Garibaldi story. Right. You know, it's going to get it's going to get bigger than that, but that's the that to me is the more interesting direction. Um, maybe because it's more concrete than just we're going to have the Rangers protecting these border worlds. So, all right, so that's that's kind of more sandbox, more open ended, and and I don't really have a sense of where they're going with that. Okay, uh, I I agree with you, and I think that's because what story we really kind of need now is a much more grounded mm-hmm. in real people to yeah. put the context of the galactic sacrifices made with the shadows mm-hmm. into a proper human context. Whereas if you stay with the uh, the ranger storyline, you might still be tempted to write into that epic frame. Yes. And um, now, of course, the problem with the Earth, Mars, uh, noir kind of storyline is that it's explicitly human when I think some of the very best storytelling has been done by this program talking about the Narn, the Centauri, and the Mimbari, Mm -hmm. which the other storyline would more obviously engage. Although we haven't yet seen a Narn serving on a White Star or Mm -hmm. a a Centauri, but that Mm -hmm. would be something they could do. So it's like, to me, this episode is like an interesting balance Hmm. between where they might go, kind of what they're, you know, what are you trying to, what are you trying to accomplish, you Mm. know? Yeah. Um, I mean, 11 episodes have come before it. 10 episodes remain. So we are sort of right at the, uh, you know, kind of at the inflection point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really has to get its. The show has to get itself moving in a direction, to for the remainder of the season. Yeah. At this point, as we've said before, there's no real guarantee that there's going to be a season five as JMS is making right. this. Um, so, it's you know you got to get moving on this, and and yeah, I, I agree. To me. We we need to have uh, after the after the grand cosmic scale of the shadow war. Let's bring it to a more a more grounded place, maybe where you've got the Earth Gov story and you've got the Mimbari civil war and you've got rebuilding on Narn and whatever kind of political stuff. You know, I, this is it's inter- it'd be interesting to me to see all of these alliances kind of falling apart. Not because there's a there's an enemy who's pushing them apart, 
as there was mm-hmm. with the shadows, but mm-hmm. because there is there is no common enemy, there's no there's nothing common to hold them together anymore. Everyone's like, well, the war's done. Let's right. and, and now we have we have stuff in our own backyards that we need to clean up that that we didn't have time to pay attention to during that war, or that's direct right. fallout from that war. Right. Right. So, which I'm keen to see. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm reasonably confident that we're 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 back on the road. I think so. And mm-hmm. that's a good sign. Yes. Because I don't need any more interstitial episodes. <laughs> you know. Agreed. Yeah. Anything yeah. else to add? I uh, just want to throw in a quick JMS watch mention. Good gr- really? Yes, yes. Proceed, please. Well, you know, I I I hadn't really seen his name uh, attached to anything since since eight, since 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 8 wrapped. Yeah. Um, go. What what what, in, what do you see? In a couple of months uh, they just solicited Marvel Comics uh, is is doing a big 80th anniversary issue. Marvel Comics 1000 they're calling it. Oh wow, the, okay. The, the the numbering is is you know purely out of whole cloth, but hey, right. Action Comics just hit a one and Detective hit 1000, so they want to be they want to play in the same ballpark. Right, right. Um, what they're doing is getting a different creative team to do each page of this issue. So I believe it's an 80-page issue. And okay. they're doing it as each page is a year uh, of Marvel Comics history. So they're going to start huh. with, you know, I guess it's 1939. And then, and boom, 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 I'll go along. And, and so all of the, you know, the big names of Marvel are, are you know, and the the artists, the writers are each doing a page of things, and JMS is is one of those writers. So I wonder, I don't know what he's going to be. What's the the subject of his page? Um, you know, it, within Marvel, he's he's written Spider Man, he's written Thor. Um, I don't know what else. I don't know if he's going to touch on one of those, or if and he did that mostly in like the early two thousands. Maybe his page right. will be an early two thousands page. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think that comes out, I want to say over the summer, maybe in June or July. Um, but, uh, of course people listening to this podcast, uh, and listening 40 minutes in, you know, are probably JMS fans enough that they already knew this, but I just wanted to, to throw the mention out. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting experiment, uh, an interesting project to see on the page. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we might want to, down the road here, on our own show, have a segment where we talk about JMS as comics writer. Mm-hmm. Because some of the stuff that he's worked on in the post-Babylon 5 era, ridiculously compelling. Mm-hmm. And they didn't always work. Right? right. You know, I mean, in many, in many regards, it's a bit like Babylon 5, some of his comic writing. Like, yeah. you know, swinging big... Trying to hit yeah. huge home runs, uh, kind of sometimes really getting it and sometimes really missing. He definitely came in high concept on everything that I've read, right? Um, and as you right. say, Same. with 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 mixed results. Um, you know, his Superman run, I think, particularly is is he came in with it with a concept that I that I think the execution was not there. Mm-mm. But but yeah, maybe but, we but can. That, I mean, that, that's for us to talk about. See, this is this think, is what yeah. we would do if we had a Patreon. You know, we would release these as bonus content episodes, and then people oh, would give us money. Look at you! Look at you! I'm just saying, it's something we can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So anyway, uh, if you want to hear more of this insightful discussion, uh, then please join us uh, next week. We'll be back and uh, going on and on about Babylon 5 again. Rock on. Bye, Chris. Bye. It's not. You need to stop that. Edit that. I don't I don't need your New England self-loathing all over my part of the podcast. Edit it. But leave the rest and let people guess as to what <laughs> what I was ordering you to edit. <laughs>